This episode includes topics and situations that may be triggering to some listeners, including mental health, depression, and burnout, collective trauma, the United States' lack of management of health care for all individuals, including reproductive rights and pandemic management. If you find the F word offensive, this episode is not for you. Listener discretion is advised. Are you suffering from constant exhaustion? Finding daily tasks simply impossible to complete? Feeling overwhelmed by the mundane? Lacking motivation for your previous joyful occupations? Overwhelmed by the state of the country, including your own rights to your health, privacy, and safety? Tired of everyone else's bullshit? And generally, just fully and completely over it all? You, my friend, may be experiencing burnout. I'm Ash. I'm Al. We are Lovey Cosplay. And this is Shit Cosplayers Say, and we are Burnt, Burnt Out. Out. Lord. <laughs> I think this is the third time we moved this episode since it was written, because every time we would attempt to do it, we were too burnt out to do this episode on Burnout. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. You know. Uh, well, you that's know. A thing. So we are going to talk to you all about burnout. And we have given you a disclaimer about this episode. If you did not listen to the disclaimer, go back and listen to the disclaimer. Because there may be things that are triggering in this episode. And we are also not censoring our language in this episode. <laughs> You know, if you read the title of this and you're like, I think this is going to be some wholesome family content. <laughs> well, I really want to know what you, what four I letter mean, word you think. There are people that, that think shit cosplayers say should be an eloquent crafting podcast. I mean, that is true. Um, but just like the name of our podcast is not cosplayers say. Yes. So this <laughs> we're going to drop the F-bomb actually a lot. no fucks given. Because we are going to talk about <laughs> all the burnout. And the science of not giving a fuck. It is life-changing. I feel like there's a lot of you out here that can relate to this episode. Go ahead and throw your uh, comments in the Instagram post for this. We'd be happy to hear what you have to say in regards to this episode. What is burnout? So the term actually comes from a mechanical failure. So it means the, cessa the cessation of operation, usually of a jet or a rocket engine, or to cause, fail, wear out, or become exhausted, especially from overwork or overuse. The psychological definition is exhaustion of physical or emotional strength or motivation, usually as a result of prolonged stress or frustration. Oh, no. I'm sure nobody no in the cosplay in community has ever experienced this. Convention, <laughs> fandom, cosplay community has ever experienced those feelings. So signs of burnout can include lack of sleep, lack of motivation, lack of enjoyment in daily activities. You will find that burnout and depression tend to go very closely together. Irritability, isolation, hopelessness, and exhaustion. Or 
The feeling that you have where something is completely and utterly running your life and you can't escape it no matter what you do. I see it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's a little relatable, yeah. Um, I also really enjoy how two of the, the symptoms are exhaustion, but sleeplessness. Well, when you are to the point of like extreme exhaustion, you often can't sleep. So that does make sense. I know. But it just, it makes me giggle because there's a lot of those um, like antihistamines that'll say that it'll both stop your runny nose, but also get rid of your congestion. And I'm like, I'm going to not be stuffy, but yeah, I'm also not going to be usually can't have like one without the other, but... We did write this prior to leaving for ICO while we were in the, like, the sea of it. So it is very interesting to look back on it a little bit and try to do this. But there's just been a lot, like, just so many things between ICL and then, you know, the United States has had a lot of collective trauma experiences as well. You know, the U.S. decided COVID was over. I was going to say, didn't you know the president said that the COVID's over? <laughs> so there are people like myself and Ash whose jobs still like actually do things with COVID. Every We're day. still <laughs> impacted like daily by how this happens. And like, I don't have COVID pay. If I get COVID, my job is still doing 10 days, but I don't have COVID pay. But nobody is following any COVID restrictions. So it's either I stay in my house or I risk having to take 10 days off because I've gotten COVID. So that's been a fun balance right now. I mean, I have gotten to the point that I don't care, but we're going to talk about what you do about burnout and why I'm getting to the point where I don't care. Um, and I'm willing to risk that 10 days off for my own mental health and well-being. Well, and even on the flip side of that, like I do get pandemic pay. Um, we are also doing 10 days off where I work. And I am in the both fortunate and unfortunate situation that my job is only done by me. If I'm not there, it doesn't get done, and that means that I have to make it up later, but they also won't let me remote work. So like, if I caught COVID and had to stay home for 10 days, I couldn't do my job at the same time, even though looking at my workload, I would say about 95% of it could be done remotely. They just don't let me do that. So Well, and I have the flip side where I'm unpaid, but if I can get enough clients to do telehealth, then I'll get paid. But none of our clients want to do telehealth anymore. They'd rather just not come. So then I don't get paid. So we're in that fun cycle of, well, I can, but none of my clients will reschedule to telehealth. So I can't. They, they'd rather skip therapy than do telehealth. So unless you've been living under a rock, you have continued to know the idiocy of the United States healthcare system, where we overturned Roe versus Wade, which protected those with ovaries right to healthcare in this country. I mean, there were oh, a yeah. lot of things that overturning that got rid of. I think oh, that one's yes. the most notable, but there are a lot of privacy laws now that are just like, oh boy. That's, you know, obviously the big obvious one. There have already yeah. been people who have died because of, of these changes. And it's a great example of collective trauma. Which, if you don't remember, collective trauma refers to the impact of a traumatic experience that affects and involves entire groups of people, communities, or societies. Um, we will include a link from Psychology Today that goes into more in-depth about collective trauma if you are interested in understanding more of how that works. Well, and then we also have another pandemic that everybody's just uh, ignoring. Um... <laughs> Because monkeypox is a thing, yeah. and the United States have just decided it doesn't exist, like, at all. It just doesn't exist. 
Uh, I mean, they also tried to ignore the outbreak of polio in New York, too. Well, Because freaking New York was overtaken by polio. But, you know, they also tried to ignore that. So as you can tell, the United States is really good at just ignoring health crises and pretending they don't exist. That's how we manage our health care in this country. You mean if I pretend it doesn't exist, what? it doesn't go away? If only it worked that way, we wouldn't have burnout. <laughs> we could just, like, pretend it doesn't exist and then it would go away. Yes. I mean, it's like a reverse affirmation. There is right? no COVID. There is you know. no COVID. Well, and of course, if anything in the United States, the more financially well off you are, the more you can avoid the issues that these healthcare situations have put in place. Yeah, you may not be able to get procedures and things that you need done, but if you could pay for it, you could still get it done, which, you know, is absolutely how our healthcare system works in the United States. If you could pay for it, you can get it done. What does that tell you about what our government tries to do with things? <laughs> if you go to a hospital right now in certain parts of our country, you may not survive because they won't do procedures that people need on the off chance that they are pregnant, which is also a great example of compound stress because it's just one element that was stressing me out along with all these other elements because, of course, when this first happened, you're seeing... A bunch, I mean, tons of people, particularly in like Texas, getting denied basic health care because they are of reproductive age, which they deemed up to 45. I'm like, I am 38 and I <laughs> feel like I am outside of reproductive age at this point. <laughs> like they consider you a geriatric case at 35 for pregnancy. How am I not outside of reproductive age at this point? But there were people getting denied like cancer treatments and surgeries and things that they need on the off chance that they could get pregnant. When this first started now, since this started, there have been other things put in place. There's some more restrictions, but there still are some areas that are not great. But you add these healthcare stresses with daily stresses, with all these other stresses, and you get compound stress. Which is, as it sounds, stress that comes from a combination of situations or a buildup of stress rather than one source that you can identify. So it literally just kind of stacks. I think of like stacking stones, like they just start to kind of stack up on themselves and at some point they're going to fall over. Like that's kind of what happens. But because it happens over an extended period of time, it's really easy to miss that this is happening. So you're likely not to recognize that burnout is occurring until you're already way burnt out. Um, and we're going to post an article um, about compound stress as well in the show notes. But I think that's probably the worst part about burnout is it's that it's, it's like when you light a fire and it takes fire a while to burn completely out. It smolders, it sits, and then it's out. But it's not boom out. And it's kind of the same thing. Well, and I think I think the problem with the the gradual change in the beginning is that, you know, if you're comparing, you know, today to yesterday, and let's say you went from like a zero on a stress level to a point two, and then maybe tomorrow you go to a like a point three. Well, that's not a big change from yesterday. And then, you know, after a couple of days, maybe you're sitting at a point five. That's still like a super gradual change. But if that just keeps going and going and going and going, you could be at like a 30 before you know it. And 
but then the world ends and you're just like, ah, you know, I remember a time when I was at zero, but now I'm at 30. And how did I get to this point? Well, it was just, you know, one little itty bitty baby step at a time. And the the day to day didn't change a whole lot. So that was like your new normal. Well, and then at that point, there's so many small things that compounded into the burnout that there's not like one thing you can get rid of to make the burnout stop. Because yes, eventually it literally becomes like everything that's <laughs> happening in your life contributes towards the burnout. And so then what you have to look at is, is there are there things that you're allowing in your life to contribute to your burnout that maybe you don't need to give your energy to? And that is when Ash introduced me to the lecture, The Magic of Not Giving a Fuck. Please tell us all oh, about it's so it. so good. Oh, goodness. Uh, it has been a while. I feel like it? I should have taken a refresher on this. So, yeah, it's been a bit. I want to say that this might have been around... Yes, it was at C2E2. When we went to C2E2. When I, when I first discovered this, uh, one of my coworkers actually sent it to me. And it's, it's a TED Talk. And it, it is magical. And we will have to, again, link it for you so that you can go ahead and experience the joy along with us. But the basic concept is that it is the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck. How, you know, fucks are your time and your money, and you need to be able to budget those out accordingly. And, you know, it's okay to be like, I'm not going to give any of my fucks to this because it's not worth your time or your energy. And not giving a fuck to something is not necessarily a bad thing. Because you're just allowed to not give a fuck. It could be one of those things where you're like, man, I really kind of feel like I should give a fuck, but I really don't give a fuck. Well, if you don't give a fuck from the beginning and you're like, no, sorry, can't do it. Versus being like, well, maybe I'll do this with the full intention of blowing it off later, then that's bad. But yeah, you're not necessarily an asshole, um, but you are allowed to give out your fucks in the way that you see fit. And nobody can take that away from you. And that's definitely a hard lesson to learn. Because we both started to identify that we probably give too many fucks about too many different things that we don't need to give fucks about. So we're working on that now. Yes. So thank you to uh, Sarah Knight for coming up with this beautiful, beautiful TED Talk to <laughs> go ahead and educate us all on, on fucks So you're probably wondering why we're burnt out. I'm not. It's a very, when I started <laughs> making the list, it was like, Lord, that is a long list of things. Because there's work, there's home life, I have class, there was ICL, there was traveling to Spain, there was the podcast, there were pandemics, there were healthcare, there was preparation for future events that we were already dealing with. And then just the lack of leisure activities. So I didn't have the class part, but I did have, obviously, I have a toddler at home. And then I am also assisting with care for one of our elderly relatives multiple times a week. So that definitely contributes to my well, stress. And if you also. think about the spoon theory, which is that theory that exists where you have X amount of spoons in your drawer a day and different types of activities require different spoons. And if you don't replenish your spoons then you have less and less spoons as you continue to go which is kind of what happens when you 
don't do activities like leisure to help replenish you, but what gets always pushed off? Leisure. Taking time for yourself and doing leisure-based activities is what always gets set to, to the side because it doesn't have that immediacy. Oh, I can do that later. I don't need to think about that. That I can do later. But I have this, 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 and this that needs to be done. Or it's just for me, so it's not as important. Exactly. So what happens to me with burnout, because my burnout goes with my anxiety. And unfortunately, a lot of the things that have contributed to my burnout are logical in this situation. So when things that contribute to your burnout and your anxiety actually like have a nice rooted seat in logic, it makes it really hard to defute them in your brain because there's enough logic supporting it. There's logic to not wanting to get COVID. Like there's a rational reason to be concerned about catching COVID. It impacts my work. It impacts your health. What happens is, at least for me, because I also have anxiety, is you start to cycle. And then what always gets me is that in burnout is that lack of control feeling. And so my instinct is to just start dropping things so I can feel like I have some control. Well, if I just drop things and make them go away, that'll make it better. Unfortunately, my current list, none of it can be dropped. <laughs> it all has to be done. There's no dropping. So that old standby does not work. And so then what happens is it starts to impact my relationships with other people because I can drop those. I can not do a leisure activity. I cannot do these things with other people because that's something I actually have control over, which also is not healthy because I can't not go to work. I can't not do class. I can't not manage some of these other things. They impact other people besides myself. I have to do them. Then you get in the loop with the anxiety and the depression and the burnout, and it just keeps cycling. And honestly, for like the last probably two to three years, I don't think I've escaped the loop at all. So I'm just always exhausted. Like I had hoped when ICL ended that the burnout would stop and it's not gone. So I'm like, what else do I need to get rid of to make this go away? Yeah. And I would say that just as an outside observer, I think that I've I've watched your highs and lows, but definitely that cycle goes around. And I'm I'm not surprised that ICL being over didn't really get rid of it just because it it was only such a I know it seemed really big at the time, but it was such a small percentage of everything that was going on. And I think that until like maybe until after your class is over or something along those lines, when you have just a minute to actually breathe again, then maybe at that point you'll be like, I mean, maybe. <sighs> okay. But when you have anxiety induced depression, <laughs> it's a very hard cycle to stop. I did realize after going to. Um, I finally, after a year, made it to one of the shows of our friend Betsy Bo Peep. Literally, we've always, we have a show when they have a show where I wasn't comfortable going yet. And I think a lot of it is I just don't spend any time around other people because events were closed for so long. And I do think that that's put an unnecessary importance on conventions, which we can do very infrequently. I'm wondering if I increase opportunity to mix with other creative individuals, if that will help with some of this burnout. 
Because I do think a lot of it is... I can I, see that. Like, yes, I go to work, but I don't socialize with anyone at work. Like, I see my kids and I go home. We don't have time to socialize at my job. So I'm not really around other people besides my partner, and I'm not around him all that much either. So it's like, I don't see anyone. I don't talk to anyone. And I do the same thing week after week after week after week. And the ADHD part of me does not like that because ADHD doesn't do well with mundaneness. So I, I do feel that that's part of it. It's almost like I need friends, if that makes sense, that aren't like states away <laughs> from me, you know, that it's not like a production to go see them. Like, I think I just need more interaction with like-minded individuals, and I'm hoping that that will help. Obviously, if I could find a medication that actually worked for me, that would probably help too, but I've not been successful. There's not a lot of options, and the good old Zoloft does not work for me anymore, I guess. That many years of Zoloft, it stopped working. So, <laughs> yeah, it would probably help, but it's not looking great. I don't know. I see being over did help a little bit. I still feel like I sit at a lower baseline than I'd like to, but not having to worry about it anymore has helped. But at the same time, it's weird to not have to do it anymore. So I don't know. I think I think there will be a grieving process with that now that it's over, just because it consumed like so much of our like back brain for so long. Yeah, it's it's almost like this weird little emptiness feeling. It's like, okay, I don't have this anymore. But I do think now that it is gone, there there will be more, not that there weren't opportunities before, but I know that you had especially a really hard time kind of justifying to yourself to go to some of these, to go to a, you know, a show or go hang out with people because you didn't want to get COVID for Spain and you didn't want to get COVID so we couldn't rehearse and you didn't want to spend time doing that when you felt like you should be working on other things that we needed for the project. So I think now that you don't have that constraint, that may be more so in your quote unquote free time, whatever that is, <laughs> I think you'll be willing, more willing to take those opportunities now, which I think will help. Yeah, I mean, I think having a better balance will help. I have a bad habit of throwing myself all the way into something. What? You mean hyper-focusing? Yes. <laughs> it's oh, like hi, it's a, ADHD. Hi, ADHD. You? What's up, yo? And because ICL was the most immediate. So the thing that happens literally like timeline first is typically the thing that ADHD's brain is going to focus on, but it may not always make sense for that thing to be the only thing. And we both have struggle with that. We're working on it. We're trying to go, oh, wait, we need to think about these things too. And not just this immediate thing that is occurring. We just now have to find time where we're both available at the same time to talk about things that aren't immediate. I will say, and I don't remember if I talked about this before. So about two months ago, I did finally, I finally bit the bullet and I finally called the doctor's office and I finally got in for a consult to see a new primary care physician and to talk about ADHD because um, I previously was not diagnosed and I'm still not technically diagnosed, but my, my doctor was pretty much like, um, well, the only thing I can do is, I mean, I could refer you to somebody in psych who could diagnose you, but then they're just going to treat you or I could just treat you. And I was like, let's do that. I've been on meds and had them adjusted once already. And I will say I've definitely noticed an improvement, especially after the dosage changed, um, which was literally right before we left. 
I still hyperfocus and I still squirrel quite a bit, but it's easier for me to get back on track and it's easier for me to look at a hole and go, wow, that's really overwhelming and verbalize it instead of just like shutting it out and then being able to break it down into smaller pieces that are more manageable. Welcome to the club. Yay. I'm really excited to see where this goes. I wrote a 20 page document at work the other day on the fly because of course that's how you know that works where I'm like squirrel I'm gonna do this thing I've wanted to do forever oh this looks really hard Ooh, I'm gonna start here and then yeah I think I'm at I think I'm at 20 right now and I've got a lot to go but I'm gonna get there maybe I need to switch to yours because I definitely need to increase mine and then I can't increase it anymore oh maybe yeah Maybe when I go back in, I need to, because yours might also fix another problem. <laughs> um, They say that it also helps. It's ADHD, anxiety, and depression. Yeah, I know. So I'm like, maybe I need to switch to that one. Well, and I don't know if it's one of them you can use as a combo with something else, too. Um, Yes, you can. Um, It actually is a medication I could add to the one I already have. Bonus. It is. Um, I am taking an over-the-counter that's used for anxiety, and although it does help because it is not an extended release, it only works for, like, short periods of time. Ah. Um, so it's not a long-term solution. Mine is an XR, so... Maybe I will need to go back and ask them about yours. <laughs> and see, because I cannot take the... What you call them? The stimulant ones. I am limited, but the one that you're on has multiple options for increasing, where mine does not. Because literally I can do it once and then I can't increase it again. So it's kind of like, yeah. (laughs) Yep. Kind of pointless at that point. But look at us taking ownership and responsibility and working on our mental health here. Right? And that's part (laughs) of us trying to figure out where we want to give our fucks. Um, I want to give fucks about myself. Right. um, Because it's something that I've put off for a very long time. And... I think I've talked about this before, but I, I definitely noticed my fucks changed after I went back to work after my maternity leave. My my fucks at work were definitely drastically different than they, they were. Now, it took about seven or eight months of me attempting to set boundaries before one of my bosses would actually listen to me and was willing to kind of go with that, not make me do all these things that I didn't want to that weren't technically my job. So having that support definitely helped. Yeah, definite, definite change in in mood about work (laughs) and the fucks given there. I mean, I think my fucks for work have balanced out a little bit because it used to be a very consuming thing because I was always a person who was afraid I was going to get laid off because in my previous experience of working, I've been laid off multiple times because of the recession. So there's always this like post-trauma response to working for me, but I've now been here for quite a long time and it's become a little bit easier, but I'm also like, I'm not doing the like silent quitting thing. I'm, I'm just making sure that I'm doing what's in my job description because they don't give us enough time to do more of that than that. So that's been a change is instead of like being like, yes, I'll do that. Being like, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't volunteer as tribute. It is, it is really hard if you've been one of those like above and beyond people for so long it's just kind of ingrained into like your work ethic where you're like oh I know that I could do that I think it would be really interesting to do that I only think it'll take this much time which is always my downfall I'm like it's only a little bit well all of those little bits add up to a lot 
I was sent for a quote-unquote certification about six months ago that turned out not to be much of a certification at all, which was going to require an extensive amount of research on my part. And when my, my lead checked in with me about expanding this program, I told her, no, I don't want to do it. And I was so afraid they were going to be mad. And I was like, no, the amount of research I would need to do to do this isn't worth it. Like, no, I don't want to do it. I was like, I will pay you back for the class you sent me to. I don't want to do this anymore. And she was like, you don't have to do that. Like, if you don't want to do it, you do not have to do it. And I was like, really? It's so weird. Because I don't (laughs) want to do it. Like, I really don't want to do it. I have enough going on. I I have enough specialties and enough programs. I do not want to do it. And I'm hoping that the certification I'm getting right now, which was my choice and wouldn't have been nearly as big of an issue if it would have started, one, when it was supposed to, um, because it was supposed to have started in October and then didn't start till January. Um, But two, I had, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong pretty much from February on. So once I got COVID, I caught everything else and then a bunch of other things fell apart. So, you know, the class wouldn't have been a big deal. But ideally, that's going to end up benefit benefiting me in my stress because ideally I will get a lot of families referred for the certification and I can stop having clients that are all over the map because that is the hardest part about my job is OTs are very much expected to know how to do all of OT and OT is a very vast practice and for me it's too hard for me to be able to be proficient in everything in order to see everyone (laughs) I actually know somebody else that is switching jobs for that exact same reason. Um, they're just transferring to a different department within their field, but they'll go from having a little bit of their hand in every pot to only handling one particular type of work. And it just sounds nice. <laughs> so like, ideally, by being one of the very few people who are actually certified in this treatment in the state of Iowa... I will get enough referrals that I can stick with DIR and not have to be all over the map. DIR gives me the excuse to practice the way I want to and tell families no. (laughs) Because I am a certified DIR practitioner. I'm not doing ABA for you. (laughs) Sorry, you want ABA? Go find an ABA therapist. It's, It's not. I'm not going to do it. So, you know, yes, it's been like... Super stressful, but it's also been good for me as a therapist because these kind of things can help you get that drive back. And I hit that five-year mark and started to lose the drive, which happens. You hit five years, you're considered an experienced therapist, you're not quite sure where you want to go. You know, that's sort of that time that it happens. So, you know, I'm hoping to give more fucks to my practice but I also need to give more fucks to my relationships with people because they have drastically suffered in the past, like, year or so. I need to work on that as well. And then just managing overall cosplay project stress, but we're hoping to develop an actual system where we can actually, like, I don't need to ask you. There's, like, a different way to track it, so we already know that it's done. Don't have to worry about it because it's already there. And actually have like, hey, we should have this done by this date and then do it. We always say that we're going to do that and then we just never put it together. So, Although I think we figured out if we want this to continue, we have to or it's not going to because we're not doing what we did for ICL ever again. So. Um, no, it just all in all, it's been it's been it's been something. It's <laughs> been 
something. Yep. That's accurate. <laughs> something we don't want to repeat. Obviously. So, you know, the question's going to be like, what can you do? Well, it burnout's hard. Obviously, the first thing everyone's going to tell you is see if you can find therapy in your area. But if you're like me and you're not, you know, ready to unalive yourself, you cannot get therapy services. So, like, sure, it probably would help me if I could temporarily have some therapy services because I have a history of needing therapy services when I'm in transitions. Like, in life transitions, that's when I've had to see a therapist. But I can't because we don't have any. So I could try to do something like BetterHelp, but I cannot see a therapist local to me because I'm not a danger to myself and others. But that is another United States problem <laughs> because we severely lack practitioners in in our country for those of us that are not in a severe state because we have reactive healthcare, not proactive healthcare. Yes. Um. So unfortunately, we don't get seen until you're way past that that middle point. Um. That's just how it works in our country for everything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so obviously. The other thing is, you know, find a leisure thing that helps you replenish what you need to move forward. So, like, the photo shoots was something I forced myself to do through all of this. I was tempted to cancel them so many times because it was like, I don't have time to do this thing for myself because I should be doing XYZ. And I went, well, you can't cancel them because you're locked in for six months. So... You're paying for it whether you want to or not, which was part of the reason I did it was because I was going to get locked in. So I was going to have to do it regardless of, you know, whether I wanted to give myself that time or not. You know, that was nice to have that time to do those things. It wasn't as much as I'd hoped for because it was really hard to get out of my head. Because, of course, I'm thinking about all the things I need to get done. We'll see if that works a little bit better, but I did not cancel them. Even though that was my, you know, gut feeling was to cancel it so that I could free up more time for other things. But then you know what happens? He has ADHD. Do you actually do half of these things when you're supposed to? No. You get so overwhelmed that you scroll on TikTok for an hour and you don't actually do anything. You doom scroll instead. Doom scroll. The hardest part about having mental illness is when you're a person who is drastically aware of it. Yep. <laughs> But there's no way to stop it. Yeah. It is literally the worst. Because I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Yes. For everything. Yep. But I cannot force myself to do all of it. I am definitely the person who would go to see a therapist and the therapist would be like, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, I know. Yes. But I can't do it. I know that's that's one of the reasons why I wasn't particularly interested in starting therapy for this is because I I already know. Well, and that's ultimately why I, I haven't I know it. what all the faults are. I know what I need to be doing instead. And I, I know several ways that I could attempt to get there. But until my brain chemistry was in a happy place where it was willing to let me plug my phone in and walk away from it for three hours to go do something else, like... Well, and that's the other issue is what I probably need to do is be playing with medications, but good luck getting into a psychiatrist to do it. Like, my GP can do it, but good luck getting into a psychiatrist to do it. Because, again, not available. Like, I would have to pay out of pocket because they're not available. Because they're only available for you if you are severely ill in my area. 
so I cannot get in with anybody anyway. And they're not going to give me any different medication that my GP's going to give me. That many medications that you can take. But it's one of those where, you know, I've been ignoring the fact that my meds probably need to be changed because I know that this medication completely goes kaput real quick. Obviously, one of the ways to identify burnout and make decisions is to identify your stressors and see what you can do to lessen them if you can. Because obviously that's not easy. Like we talked before, there's a lot of things that you can't change. Yeah. But like one of the things we changed about work is saying no. So like we can't change the fact we have to go to work. We can't change the fact that we have responsibilities. But we were able to say no to the things that were not directly part of our jobs. And if you can figure out, is there like a specific thing that's really getting to you, then that might be the thing you want to focus on. Or even just taking a a deeper look at each of those stressors and seeing, you know, what what can I control and what things can I change? And do I think that's going to help? Trying to under, understand why you give a fuck about certain things. Because we found that there were a lot of things that we were putting energy into that we kind of went, why do we even give a fuck about this? Right. Why does it matter? Like, why does this matter in the grand scheme of things? We've had a lot of those conversations lately where I'm like, this is not my fault or my responsibility that, you know, this other person didn't do what they said they were going to do or this other person didn't do what they're supposed to do. And that's not on me and that's not my responsibility to fix it. And I should give no fucks. It's magic. One of those things that, you know, I get asked about frequently is like, why do I still give a fuck about the pandemic? Well, I kind of have to because of my job. So it rolls back to that. But, you know, as we talked about leisure, like, I'm also starting to step out of that for my own mental health and well-being because I need to start being around other people and other creatives and not locking myself in my house. Like, maybe I'm going to be careful two weeks before an event, but I need to not be doing it literally all the time because it has gotten to the point where it is just too much and I'm over it. And that's not saying that COVID's not important or dangerous. I have just gotten to the point where mental health-wise, I am over it. It took almost three years, but I'm over it. Doesn't mean I won't still wear a mask if I need to or whatever. I'm just over trapping myself in my house at this point. That's just done. We're just kind of done with that. Just is what it is. It was one of those, like, even looking at things like we were dealing with with conventions going, why do we even give a fuck? Like don't want to give us what we want. Do we care that much if we go? Do we need this this much? Does it really equivalate to the amount of stress it's causing? Probably not. Those, you know, not trying to do too much all at once, I think is a big one. Are we still burnt out? I mean, I am. It's there. I don't think I've recovered. I think it's it's better. The anxiety part is is better. Now that ICL is over, but the burnout's not gone, which also makes me go, mm, did I cycle into depression? Because burnout and depression are very similar. And after a high, high level of anxiety, that's typically what occurs. That's just how my brain rolls. I'm definitely still there, but I, I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to see like that dim light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Because I have my list of things that I, I know that before I can get into like a good headspace to start working on some of these projects that I want to work on. There's some things that I've been neglecting that I need to take care of first. And I've started 
like seriously knocking those out now that I feel like I have time to actually work on those things. Um, because again, you know, I'd be like, oh, I really need to do X, Y, Z, but I feel like I can't do that right now because of blank. Then instead of doing the thing, you know, that you think you should be doing, I mean, I don't have TikTok, so I don't doom scroll for three hours on TikTok, but I mean, it's a very similar thing. I'm like, I don't have time to do this or I can't do that right now. Well, instead of doing the thing that I can do, maybe I just don't. That's starting to go away. And that's really refreshing. I'm trying to get a lot of these house things taken care of that were severely neglected for like the past year. I'm going through a purge and it's amazing. That's pretty much where I'm at, too, because my podcast stuff is actually supposed to not be in my craft room. But the room it's supposed to be in turned into like a storage dumping ground uh-huh. pretty quickly. Um, my partner probably has more severe ADHD than I do. So we have a very messy household. It's extremely hard to keep this house organized because neither one of us really has the spoons for it. And he is a person that clutter and mess doesn't bother. So he doesn't really understand that like, need for it to not exist but it causes me anxiety i i feel like he's a little borderline hoarder oh oh borderline oh he's a collector yeah okay a collector uh-huh he has the adhd thing where he starts a hobby and then two months later drops it but never gets rid of it <laughs> yes yeah we live in a house like a family house with only two people and it is a full house so I am now in the process of trying to get this front room cleared out and organized. So I actually can move my podcast stuff down there and it is not in the middle of my tiny craft room. Because as I mentioned before, my craft room is very small. It's taking up vital real estate in here that I would like it not to. And I would also love to have a room that doesn't get messed up. Like one room that I can go into and have it not be messed up. Because I just recently cleaned up the craft room and our guest room, which um, is across the hall from my craft room. So sometimes the craft room spills into the guest room um, when I run out of space. And there was just this like essence of calm when it was cleaned up. And I'm like, I need a space in this house that stays that way that I can go into so that I can tackle the rooms that aren't because I definitely walk into these rooms and then get super overwhelmed and I don't know where to start. This is how I know my ADHD meds still do something besides the fact that I'm not constantly exhausted. So it does make me tempted to double them and see what happens. But I can push past that. It takes a while, but I can push past it. Um, I still can't do those things for super long. I make it about 30 minutes and then I get so overwhelmed I have to leave again. I can at least start now where prior to the meds I could not. Like, I wouldn't even start. I couldn't do it. I would just look at this giant thing and see all of it at once and couldn't start it. But that's the whole ADHD with anxiety component that is so much fun. But that room is slowly looking like a room now and not like another storage room. Because we have a storage room in the basement. Like, these things do not need to be stored in this little, like, library room. But they are because they're right by the door. So things just kind of get chucked in there and then never, like, cleaned up. And then they never leave. And then they just never leave. Like, we have a coat closet. Why are all these coats in this room? I did start using, um, I have bins all over the house, too. So now, at least, stuff ends up in the bins and not, like, strewn all over the tables. And it does make it a little bit easier 
to clean it up. Like I have one bin that's all cosplay stuff. And so when it gets full, it goes up to the craft room. Like that's helped instead of trying to like, there wasn't really a way to make sure everything had a place to be put away. So that was the best quick option. And it sounds really weird. It's the doom box concept. It's, it reminds me a lot of the, the, the return bins at like stores where they're like, you get a cart full of housewares and then you call your housewares person to come over and get it and go restock the shelves. That's exactly what this looks like in my house. Like, and it's kind of separated that way. Like, this is all because sometimes I'll work on like my wigs down in the living room instead of up in my craft room, especially in the summer. It gets really hot in this room, you know, but then I used to just leave the stuff all over the place. Well, now there's a bin. So it all goes in the bin. And then the table doesn't get covered in stuff because the cosplay stuff's in the bin and then it does make it easier to pick it all up and take it upstairs to be put away because now things are kind of in places sort of this room's getting messy already again because i had two photo shoots and there's costumes in here that need to be put away but i have to pick burrs off of oogie first but um and apparently yell at your wig because it does not look the way that I want it to look. And I did it three years ago. And now I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> what the fuck was I doing with this wig? Why did I put netting with teased hair in the back for the, like, bump? What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> Gotta redo that. Yeah, I mean, it's still there, but it's better. Try to work on organizing things. We're trying to get back into some sort of a recording groove, which I think has been the hardest for me because I have to edit. Um, and with my class, I've lost a lot of that time that I had. Um, now, thankfully, the course portion of my class is almost over. Um, and then it's more this, um, we meet and we, it's small group and we talk about like certain cases but there's not this extra like five hours of video that we have to watch every like week to two weeks. And I think that will help a lot. Um, and then once we get to the presentations, um, we're not preparing anything anymore. So the light is at the end of the tunnel as far as that workload. And I think once that gets less, it'll be a little bit easier to work on all of this. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> We had one for a while, and then I started having class on the day we recorded, so yeah, that kind of screwed everything up. It happened. I mean, we were in a groove for a while. We also figured out, though, that recording way too far in advance wasn't good either. Yeah. So there's a balance, and we're still working on it, but we'll get there eventually. Well, speaking of, we both have to go continue doing all the work that we're trying to catch up on that we didn't do previously because of all the other things we had to do. Yeah. Uh, oh goodness. But uh, but I'm Ash. I'm Mel. And we are Lobby Cosplay. And this is Shit Cosplayers Say. You've been listening to Shit Cosplayers Say, an LVC production. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Podcast SCS. Our website is lavicosplay.com. Have a fun, crazy con or cosplay-related story? Absurd cosplay question? Or just something in general to share with us? Email us at podcastscs at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, just because you can doesn't mean you should.